When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition, a live edition, to Showtime with Coop, insightful BS with my Laker teammates and NBA legends. And in the house today, we got a legend. You know what, Nick? We've talked about Larry Bird. We haven't had a Larry Elder on here, which I'm glad. We've talked about Larry Keenan, one of the greatest ABA dunkers of all time. Larry and Nance now, was on here. Larry oh, Nance was on Larry here. Larry Nance was on here, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. now Today's we have a- the man- Oh, <laughs> today's Larry Bird's birthday, but Larry Bird isn't the guest. Go ahead, Coop. <laughs> you know, Larry Bird's a great player, but today we got Larry Kristowiak on our, our broadcast. Larry, welcome, welcome, welcome Coach. from the beautiful, really nice background. Your home is in San Diego, California. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. Coop, good to be with you. Uh, yeah, there's some nice little Larrys on that list. I'm sure I shocked some of your listeners with who you came up with. The kid with the alphabet soup in his last name. <laughs> you spell your last name for us so we get it right. <laughs> K-R-Y-S-P-K-O-W-I-A-K. And yeah. that is? That is Polish. Polish. Okay. Yeah. 100%. And uh, I come to find out that my family was pretty obstinate about not changing it. You know, I, a lot of uh, European immigrants came to the States and they, they kind of wanted to fit in rather than stick out. And I guess we had a, a, a lot of pride in the family. A lot of people have dropped some of the letters, but we never have. So uh, it's a mouthful. Well, mouthfuls is the least of our problems right now. <laughs> but uh, Larry, high school, went to Big Sky High School, went to college in Montana. You know what, people, if you've never been to Montana, you've got to go. Beautiful place. I've been up there several times running a camp in Pulse in Montana. But Larry oh, yeah. from college, in there, uh, college in Montana was drafted in the second round, 1986. He was the 28th pick to the Chicago Bulls. But we're going to get all into that. Larry, you want to talk a little bit about Montana? Well, it's a great, great place to grow up, as you said. And I had a, a lake house on Flathead Lake where you did your camp, Coop. Uh, and I knew you were in the neighborhood a lot. It's if you're not a skier, it's it's not really a popular pl- uh, place to be in the in the winter time. But there's no place more beautiful for about four months in the summer, especially when you get up in the northwest corner. But uh, you know, basketball was my deal growing up as a kid, and. Uh, there was a lot of snow, a lot of cold weather, and and obviously you wanted to find a warm place. And we were in the gym a lot, and uh, you know, real fortunate to uh, to have had those experiences in the town. It wasn't a basketball hotbed, as you know. Not a lot of guys come out of there, and um, so it was a little little bit of a grind. But I felt really fortunate to be able to play at the University of Montana, which was uh, one of the better programs in the Big Sky Conference, played for Coach Mike Montgomery, who's in the Hall of Fame, and uh, 
a lot of those things kind of lined up for me a little bit to make to make uh, success a little bit more attainable to have a home uh, home university where I could and that's back in the days when you threw the ball into the post you know so uh, they had established big guys in the league really good success good fan base and it made an awful lot of sense for me to stay right there and and uh, was honored to be a Grizzly. And got your jersey retired up there. Number 42, I believe, yes? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, you know, it was a small uh, 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 city at the time, but now it's becoming big because you got a lot of big wigs moving up there. Phil Jackson has a home up there now. Frank Bukowski, I believe, is up there. Any more Knicks, other people that anybody you can talk about? Larry, that's in Montana now. The, the hidden secret is not hidden anymore. It's Everybody knows about it. Yeah, and you know Phil's known about it a long time. Phil, Phil was there. Oh, wait, 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 Larry. Not before me. I was going up there way before he bought something up there. So yeah, anyway, that's my. Well, career. we we might have to do the math on that, Coop. He's he's he built his place a long time ago. Uh, uh, Brukowski, he came out and visited. Uh, we were teammates in San Antonio my rookie year. And Frank wanted to come out and get a, a little idea of what Montana is. And he's he's still there uh, living on Flathead Lake. Howie Long's a good friend. He did the same thing. He was friends with Frank, came in, caught it on a perfect weekend. Um, you know, and it's uh, it's God's country. But you're right. It's, I think, a combination of COVID where people uh, wanted to get away and get a little open space. And then I don't think uh, the series Yellowstone helps a lot of the, you know, people want to get out into that open space again. And, and so properties have gone crazy. It's not, it's like you said, it's not, they used to say it's the last best place, Um, but it's, uh, it's no longer a secret, but still a great place. well, like I see now that I'm low on your friend totem pole, so I'll I'll take that. Okay. No, but, uh, no, no, no. That's thing. Larry, Larry, listen, I love you. We're about having fun on this show. But uh, Larry, like you said, you started playing basketball early. Uh, uh, you're from Shelby, Montana. Talk to us a little bit about that. Man, it's it's one of those places that uh, uh, I love hearing stories of people, you know, athletes that grow up in a town. We didn't have a stoplight. We had a few you know, uh, four-way stops. You learned how to stop at a four-way stop. It was up on the high line, almost in Canada, about 20 miles, 20, 30 miles from the Canadian border. My dad was a railroad, uh, a railroad guy for Burlington Northern. And it was really one of the coldest places, uh, coldest places in the country. Oftentimes Cutbank, Montana, Shelby, Montana, when you get that wind chill in there, you know, it's one thing to be, (laughs) it's one thing to be, 10 degrees, but then you add a 30 mile an hour wind and it's a, it's a whole different deal. Uh, so yeah. It, uh, and then I moved to Missoula, uh, in the middle of high school, which actually had mountains. And that's when I realized that the snow actually kind of came straight down out of the sky under normal circumstances. But I was always conditioned to think that it was coming in to left, left to right, or right to left with the wind. So, um, yeah, a lot of snow up there. Happy to be in San Diego now, though, man. It's, yeah. uh, you know, I grew up in it and experienced it. So, well, I think you picked the right. 
Go ahead. It Nick. looks like he's in the North Pole by that background. I'm just saying. <laughs> Where are the elves? <laughs> Where's he the elf cold, on the show? Okay, he got a <laughs> puff jacket on. He got a hat. It looked like he got a turtleneck on. Larry yeah, got man. it going on. There he oh. is. The elf on the shelf. <laughs> on the shelf on the shelf. <laughs> My wife does a good job with all this stuff, man. It becomes pretty festive around here. Hey, it's Nick from Showtime with Coop, and I've got something exciting to share with you all this week. If you're anything like me, you're always on the lookout for fun and simple ways to play daily fantasy sports. Let me tell you, you have to check out my new go-to place. That's Prize Picks. Seriously, this is the most fun I've had winning, playing fantasy sports and winning up to 25 times my money this football season. And here's how it works. You can select two or more players, like for instance, say Saquon Barkley uh, for more than 60 yards and Patrick Mahomes for more than two passing touchdowns. Then, just pick more or less on their projected stats and submit your entry. It's that easy. And the best part? It's just you against the numbers. No pros, no sharks, no no, no tricks, right? It's just you against the established numbers. Recently, I tried out their weekly promotion. And you know what? Taco Tuesday is where it's at. Every Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to give even more value. So not only is it easy and thrilling, but there's potential for some really serious returns on your entries. And if you've played with other platforms in the past, let me tell you what. Once I switched to prize picks, I genuinely thought, why the heck did I wait so long? Now here's the cherry on top of the cake for you all. Go to prizepicks.com CLNS and use the code CLNS for a first-time deposit match up to $100. Yep, you heard that right, folks. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash CLNS. Use the code CLNS. And always remember, daily fantasy sports is made easy with prize picks. So, Larry, it looks like you picked the right sport playing up there in Montana, inside sport. Uh, what were some of the things that your two things that your parents told you that you still hold close and hold dear today for you? Uh, it's really been an interesting story, man. My mom passed away when I was eight. Uh, she had Hodgkin's cancer. Um, and I think one of the, the strongest memories I have, uh, six, seven, eight years old, she was, she was pretty sick. She spent a lot of time in a wheelchair. And she loved to haul me around town to get from a basketball game to a baseball game, uh, football. And uh, I just remember, I can remember this time when I was eight, just before she passed away. And I actually was bold enough to think that I was going to be in pro sports. And I posed the question to her mom, do you want me to be a pro uh, football player or a pro basketball player? Now I can remember this like it was yesterday you know, 50 some years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I think about that question, there'd be a lot of parents to be like, come on, man, you know, like it, there's not going to be a great chance of that happening. And I remember her saying, you just do whatever makes you happy. And, uh, you know, basketball for me was never, never a job was never, I never had to consider it, go work out. I just was absolutely in love with it. And, uh, and loved what it kind of provided me a sense of a little bit of an identity. And 
so that's where I hung my hat. My teams, my friends were often extensions of my family. I had one brother who was nine years older, so we had a time gap. I had a dad that uh, really wasn't into sports that much. He never saw any of my games. So um, my drive to play was more of an intrinsic thing. And I guess the one thing I probably learned from my dad, uh, not basketball related, but life related, if you're going to do something, do it right. Like he, he was always about, you know, kind of cracking the whip and, and, if you were going to do the dishes, if you were going to mow the lawn, if you were going to wash the car, uh, there were no shortcuts. So I kind of got a little bit of that ground into me, the, the seek, seeking perfection, knowing you're never going to find it in basketball, but just kind of driven. And then I think the compassion and love that my mom gave me was probably a pretty good combination. Well, the things that we hold dear, you know, Larry, you were drafted in 1986 after playing the game. And I'm like you, man, I never saw basketball as like a job. It was something I loved doing and I would do it for free. Uh, but again, it's nice to get paid for what you do. You being 6'8", 6'9", 1986, you drafted by the Chicago Bulls and you went on, Larry, to have a really interesting career. You played for San Antonio Spurs, the Milwaukee Bucks, Utah Jazz, Orlando uh, Magic, the uh, Bulls, and then you played with my Lakers, baby. And you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's it, Larry. So, you know, we're going to get into them in a minute uh, about uh, the other night when they everybody was telling me that Phoenix was going to destroy them and they kicked Phoenix's ass. But that's a whole nother story. Of all those teams, Larry, you played with, who was your favorite coach? Uh, favorite coach, man. It was a combination. And I hate to, it's a cop out. I loved my coaches, man. You know, Bobby Weiss was my coach at San Antonio. Uh, tremendous human being. Then I had Del Harris. Uh, Del Del Harris, interesting guy. <laughs> yeah, Del Harris in Milwaukee for five years. That was technically, you know, tactician, the basketball side of things, and a great friend. But I'll tell you, uh, it's pretty hard to beat playing a year for Phil uh, and playing a year for Jerry Sloan, you know, uh, God rest his soul. Jerry Sloan was, was kind of my kind of guy where, you know, a funny story coop. Uh, and I used it when I was coaching at Utah at the university of Utah and even at Montana, like Jerry Del Harris was on one side that if you asked Del Harris how we were going to guard something, you might get a 15 minute answer. You know, uh, if you asked, if you asked Jerry Sloan, how you were going to guard something, Jerry actually in one case said, just guard your effing guy. <laughs> and, and I, and I think there's a lot to be said for that because, you know, Jerry was a farm kid. Uh, wasn't interested in a lot of answers or a lot of excuses. He was all about effort. And I think therein lies kind of the perfect combination for a coach is you, you have the technical side of how you're going to try to guard it, but you better have a little bit of Jerry Sloan in you too, where you're just going to guard your effing guy. And then, uh, you know, then I think you can become pretty good defensively. So obviously Phil with his history and, you know, friendship. I just, I feel really lucky to have been able to play 
for all those guys. And as you know, in coaching, you kind of become a little bit of who you played for. You mm -hmm. emulate certain things. I was always making a little mental file. Like, man, that worked. That If I was ever a coach, I, I would implement that or shit, that didn't work. You know, that backfired on the coach. You put that in the negative file. And then when you get your chance to coach, you kind of, you kind of a creature of all the people that you played for. For sure. So on this show, though, Larry, we're not going to let you walk the fine line. I asked you a certain question. Who's your favorite coach? You're going to have to pick one. Jerry Sloan. Okay. All right. Who's the most interesting coach? Uh, Phil Jackson. Okay. And who sucked? Who sucked? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, who sucked? Who sucked? <laughs> I man, come on! I'm gonna let you off the hook with that one. <laughs> Look, I'm unemployed. I got fired, so I sucked. <laughs> and you're looking very well too, Larry. For a guy to be unemployed, don't worry about that. Listen, you're listening to Showtime with Coop. Our guest today is Larry Kostowiak. Uh, Larry, this is part of the show which I call Coop's Lightning Round. I'm going to ask go. you five names about five people. You tell us as much or as little about that individual, okay? Let's go. Greg Popovich. Oh, man. Uh, icon, stud. I love his, love his background. Uh, no nonsense. And I, I think he's a great human being. That's the one thing that comes to mind is, is uh, not only a great basketball coach, but a great human being. A lot of respect for him. Patrick Ewing. Big Pat. <laughs> That's my guy. He, you know, a little bit like you, guys that you respect. A um, little bit older. I was watching both you guys on TV before I cracked into it. Um, but, you know, Pat, with his run at Georgetown, we we got on the road together a few times in some AAU events and, and uh, grinding it out together. But I just remember the Georgetown St. John Syracuse games on ESPN when it was for first just cracking and uh, just, you know, love the guy. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Oh, man. Yeah, that one. I, I got goosebumps when you say that one. So my two 10 days with the Lakers, uh, the end of my career, coincided with Kobe Bryant's rookie year. Give us a story. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is uh, there were a number of games Kobe's rookie year where he did not get put in the game. He sat on the bench. And as you know, in a, as a basketball player, you don't want to get the DNPCD on the stat sheet, right? <laughs> for those of, for those, like Nick doesn't know what that means, but I know, I know what a DNIP is, but explain what I know what is. that means. <laughs> yeah, get the hell out of here. What it is, is it did not play coach's decision. <laughs> Nick had a lifetime of those. He's very, <laughs> my very whole career. My whole career was was a DMPCD. That's it. My whole life. <laughs> so, what was his attitude when you were over there? What was he? Was he pissed? Was he? You know, well, what happened? It was interesting. You know, Shaq's on the team. Robert Ory. Uh, you know, it was a good team. Dell was the coach. Dell Harris was the coach. 
uh, I never really got that close because he was a young kid. But I can remember getting the this, this stat sheets at the end of some games, and there were a handful of them in my 20-some days there where there were only two guys on the team that got the DNPCD, and it was Kobe and me. <laughs> and That's and good I, company, though, Larry. Well, you know what? I... I, when I came into the league, I, I ran into Jack Sigma, Sidney Moncrief. Those guys were pros, and they taught me how to be a pro when I got to Milwaukee. And I felt a little bit of responsibility just to make sure Kobe knew that there were better days ahead. You know, it, it was hard for an 18-, 19-year-old kid to play in that league. But obviously, he's one of the greatest that's ever played the game. So it's a, a lot of people – forget about the when we talk about the process and and having patience and going through it a lot of people would never even remember that Kobe had much of a hardship or a time where he needed to persevere but to me that's what I'll always remember is how you know just trying to help help him make him feel a little bit better about the future and um and and obviously the rest is history man I was at I was at the game. We were coaching at uh, USC and UCLA when I was a coach at the University of Utah. We were uh, in L.A. down at the Staples Center when Kobe passed. Mm. So with all the flowers, you know, the big tribute that was down there, mm. we were there for three days. And I started every morning. I was the first person in line. I think it was about 530 in the morning. Uh, and I would just wait for him to open up those gates. And I just wandered through all of that memorial down there. And then we actually went to the game against the Blazers where they, you know, it was the first game after he had passed. And I just, you know, it's mind boggling. The dude touched on so many people and was an inspiration to so many people. And um, yeah, just, just can't believe he's gone. I know. It's a tough one there. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq's my guy. Shaq's my guy. I uh, We spent the year, it was his second year in the league. And uh, I was watching, Coop, I was watching TNT uh, playoffs a couple years ago, laying in my bed. I think we had just played a game at Utah, so it was late night. You know how those guys get on yeah. there? And, <clears throat> and they were talking about favorite teammates. Uh uh, who was the big guy? Boban. Boban. Boban, the guy that's playing now. Yeah, he was getting interviewed, and then the Shaq and Charles were talking about what a great teammate. And I think Ernie brought up like, who were your favorite teammates? And I was laying in bed, and Shaq mentioned by name. You have just, arrived. You have arrived, Larry K. Huh? You're here. No, I, it, blew, it blew me away because I played with him for one year, but I had so much respect and loved Shaq. We actually got in a fight in practice one time because I was trying to get him to practice harder, but it just, it just was so cool for me. I thought I was dreaming watching this game and to hear Shaq say that I was one of his favorite teammates. I'm like, okay. Cause I, I was always important to me trying yeah. to be a good teammate, you know? And I, and, and it, I know it was to you too. Like yeah. you you don't remember a lot of the wins and losses, but you remember a lot of the special people. So, you know, you're bringing up these names and it's, it's dear to my heart to, to, to know that you had a chance to play with those guys. Last but not least, Tim Duncan. 
I it kind of a mystery man to me. I didn't I didn't cross paths with Tim. I was at San Antonio when David Robinson got drafted. Uh and then obviously Duncan was after that. So Okay, just, so I'm gonna switch them now. David Robinson. Yeah. Oh, David, we were on a US team together, David and I, in uh summertime. And uh, you know, the Admiral, just class, class and uh you know, kind of, he was one of those guys, some guys talk the talk. And, uh, you know, I think David was, was the full package where he, he didn't talk much, but he just walked the walk. He was a, a leader and an inspiration in how to live your life and Christian man. And, and, uh, you know, a great example. Did he practice hard during practice? David didn't early. He didn't. He didn't practice early. Uh, oh, so load management was in effect before we even heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> some some guys, man. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to give him a pass on that because he grew so fast. I'm going to say he was a little <laughs> yeah, sore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you listen to the showtime with Coop. Uh, insightful BS. Powered by Prize Pick, baby. They're the ones that get us going. Are you a better, Larry? You bet. Do I bet? Yeah. Am Your I hooked up? Bet? My wife don't let me bet. Uh, well, am I hooked up to a lie detector? <laughs> <laughs> I've been known to bet a little bit. Hey, go to prize pick, baby. You get, get it done there. Uh, Let's go. Got Larry Kristowiak on the team. Okay, Larry, just a couple of more questions for you, man. Uh, your thoughts on the NBA this season. Let's start with that in-season tournament. Do you like that? I'd, I'd be lying if I even pretended to know what they're doing, man. I, I don't pay much attention. I can see it. I can see the concept because uh, myself and a lot of people, they always say, I don't really watch the NBA until the playoffs, you know, and it's hard. It's hard for guys to to withstand that kind of season. So I, I like the fact they're dangling the carrot in front of some guys to win some money and get in a tournament. And, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by it, but uh, I can't say I've totally bought into the importance of it. You know what? I didn't like it at first. I, I thought it was a crazy idea. They were trying it in the WNBA uh, and it worked well. But now here, but now it's starting to grow on me. And I think it's a great incentive to keep all games lively throughout the course, especially when this time it's the holidays where it's kind of like dead and people are like going through the motion. You and I play where they didn't have all these gimmicks. We just had to come play, energize ourselves, and come play for Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that. But I, I'm starting to love it, and I think the Lakers got a good chance. Now, what I don't hope happens is that guys kind of like win this and say, hey, we won our championship. No, there's a real championship to be played for the whole season. But uh, it's kind of growing on me a little bit. Nick, your thoughts? I like it, but like I'm not like Coop because if, if the Lakers weren't, advancing he would hate it right now he all of a sudden he's changed <laughs> well, his right. whole opinion he just got their ass kicked <laughs> <laughs> i gotta tell you though i for being an old head right i like it you know i do i i was like you i was like what's with all the damn gimmicks can we just play basketball and seeing how really in in the players what i really really like were, were seeing wealthy wealthy men starting 
and playing their balls off for the 12th man to get $500,000, you know, or the possibility to get it. You don't see a hell of a lot of teams benches up screaming and yelling and rooting for their players. And it's not like when you guys played, right? People are kind of tuned out or disconnected. This really, at least with the Celtics, like they went crazy over it because the 12th man is going to, has an opportunity to make 500, $500,000. So, yeah, I mean, initially the old head in me says, why do we have to pay them more to play? Isn't this their job? Why are we doing gimmicks? I hate that they took the parquet out of Boston garden for those nights, but as I'm like watching it more and more, I really got into it. I, I hope it comes back next year. I will say this. I don't want the point differential next year. I think that's BS. Coop, you know what I'm talking I, about, right? I'm going to say this, Nick. And again, about the parquet floor. It is not the parquet floor of when the Boston Garden, where Larry and I played in, because there were dead spots. You had to actually go in there and learn the dead spots. Now it's bouncy everywhere. So parquet floor does nothing for me. Uh, uh, Larry, our next question. What about the refereeing today? You like it? Our refereeing. Yeah, the referees. Well, I, look, man, it's a it's a game of mistakes. I do think the referees at the NBA are absolutely elite. When you watch some of the replays and stuff, it's like, man. Uh, and and I know you've run enough camps, had enough practices as a coach. You try to referee; it's challenging. Um, Larry, you do know that you and I would foul out in today's game. We wouldn't be able to play because they wouldn't let us put our hands. You are a physical player, so was I. Well, I tried to be at my little weight, but they don't. I mean, you can't touch these guys now. No, that's that's what I was going to talk about with the the nature of how the game. I don't know if I'd have a job today, Coop. To be honest <laughs> with you, no. That that's I'm yeah. saying that, and and because we were trying to beat the Pistons, we were trying to beat. Like, I don't think the Lakers were this physical, formidable team. You guys were always showtime. But the Pistons, the Celtics, that was always like the weightlifting crew. Yeah. Right? And then you'd see this two different styles going up against each other. And I think I had a job for many years because I was physical and could play. And, you know, how many times they didn't go to the monitor very often back in our day. (laughs) No. (laughs) You know? And and let, another thing that's on my mind is people always want to talk about this Michael Jordan, LeBron James, like who's the best. And I know it's a lot like music. You know, you grow up in your genre and your era. That's that's always going to be the best. So I obviously I'm mad respect for LeBron. But uh, can you imagine if Jordan played now? And, and was able to do what he could do without having a guy hand-checking him to start with and then body-slamming him when he got to the paint. I mean, I knocked him down so many times because I didn't have a chance to out-jump him, and I would always just kind of help him up off the ground and dust him off, and they never went to the monitor. But uh, it's hard to imagine how many points uh, MJ would have scored in, under today's rules with, to have the freedom of movement and be able to do uh, – Things And also think about this, like an argument for LeBron, how much more would have LeBron been able to succeed back in the day when it was physical because he was so, he's so much bigger and stronger. Like I, I might've had to think twice about trying to take a hard foul on LeBron, but it was easy to, to do against MJ. So it, it's just interesting how the game, the style and, you know, now it's all triple doubles and the three point line and, uh, 
you know, the craziness of scoring points. It's a fun product to watch, but it certainly is, uh, you know, it's far different than what we experienced as players. I, I agree with you. I think Michael would have probably in today's game we could probably easily average 45 and have yeah. some big, big high games on any given night, the way that the referees are calling. You can't come up underneath the guy. Not that we were trying to hurt somebody, but when you go to contest a guy's shot back in our day, as long as you didn't uh hit his wrist or something like that, you can't if he came down in your space, it wasn't a foul today, man. You can't get near these guys, which is a good thing because players are getting injured, you know, the ankles and stuff like that. They prevented that. But it would have been yeah. fun to see uh Mike play now and to see I think LeBron would have done well in the 80s because I mean this this guy has massive shoulders, man. And I mean I watch yeah. him the way he bang on people. That's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, think about an arm bar, you know, putting you used to do it. You just put your hand on a guy's waist and you could kind of control him. I mean, you can't even think about doing that. And I don't know, maybe it, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I see a lot of good NBA players. I wouldn't say great NBA players, but it's not unusual for a guy to score 30 or 40 right now. That's mm -hmm. not really a superstar, but you can do that accidentally with the free throw line and the freedom of movement and, and the addition of the three point line. So it's, uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. It's MJ. MJ is always my guy. I know you didn't ask me who my favorite player was, but it's hard to oh, take I'm away get to that, did. but I'm glad you said it. So now <laughs> we'll have to ask you that question, but uh, Larry, you're in today's game. Okay. Six, nine power forward. How much money would you comp uh, command? You're up for contract renewal next year. What would you go ask for? <laughs> that's where the agent comes in man <laughs> oh you you and your agent talk and you guys Just, come up to what number okay <laughs> see it's, i was a sucker i was a sucker because <laughs> like you said earlier you didn't need to be paid you to play for free i mean i i made one hundred and fifteen thousand my rookie year 135 my second year 150 and I thought now I you made more like that I made 30,000 my first three years 30,000 a year that's what I made <laughs> so... I didn't mean to rub it in Coop I thought <laughs> I stopped listening to you Larry I had to look at Coop's face the minute you said 115 I knew it was coming 30,000 30,000 Larry my first year my rookie year and yeah, what year I made 30 well, 79, when I came to the league, I made 30 that year, but I was hurt. My second year in 1980, I made 30,000. And my third year, I think I got like 32,000. Yeah. Then what happened? Well, then the game, what happened? The game, the game. I never made a million dollars in my in my career. You made no, a million but I mean, you never had a million dollar contract? No, not in the NBA. I made a million when I went overseas to play. Uh, they paid everybody. Yeah. So in the late 80s, you didn't? Late 80s, no. Anyway, back to your original question. How much money That's would crazy. you command now, Larry? You're, okay, let's say you're in your sixth year, you're going for a new contract. What would you what would you go in there and ask for? What would you ask for? <laughs> it, it's all decided, man. Right? How much would they give you? I I like I said, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm the guy this for today's question. game. <laughs> I try to coach. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because that moves me to the next segment. And we're going to end with that, Larry. You've coached at many places. You've been, uh, did you coach Idaho Stampede? Yeah, CBA. Okay. Uh, Montana High School? 
uh, University of Montana. You serve in Montana. You're a Bucks assistant. You coached the USA 18 men's national team. How was that? Yeah, that was great. That was just uh, three or four month or uh, three or four week uh, situation. We went to Mannheim, Germany. Um, I think one of my favorite coaching experiences you mentioned was the Idaho Stampede in the CBA back when things were pretty pure, six hour bus rides. I was, my wife and I would wash our laundry, hang up the guy's clothes. It was, uh, it's fun. I spent a year coaching, um, high school in Virginia. I loved it. I just wanted to be around it. It took me a minute to figure out like you finished playing, you went through it, you finished playing something in my mind told me, man, you got to go get in the real world. And, and so I, got a real estate license. I got my investment, uh, did an internship with Merrill Lynch. I thought, you know, and how dumb was I? You think about this. I thought I'm going to use my contacts from the playing days to either buy or sell them a house or invest their money. And it's like, man, nobody, I was a basketball player. You were a basketball player. Nobody's going to have the faith in you to buy or sell them a house or invest their money. So didn't take me long to realize you know, I, I know, I know hoops. I want to get back into it and, uh, and, and started at my alma mater, went back to Montana. It's hard to get a job. You know, you, you don't just, I think a lot of players go, well, I'll just coach when I'm done playing, but yeah, you got to prove to some people, all of the people I talked to said, man, you got to get something on your resume. Yeah. And so went back to the university of Montana and was almost a volunteer for a couple of years. And then, Caught a few breaks along the way, but then you were at Old Dominion and you were an assistant coach with the Nets and Utah. So, like you talked about earlier, all those coaches that were very important in your success as far as a player, you start using the things and start kind of talking that lingo that they talk to you. You now yeah. you're using that to other players. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, you know, I think you've got the technical side of the game the motivational side of the game. The thing I loved when I got involved with college was, and I've used this example now, Coop, is is uh, being a college coach when I first got into it could be transformational. Like that's when you can, re- it's almost like a piece of clay where you can really help a kid grow up, teach him, help him become a man, as we talked about, you know, there's a lot to learn in that phase. And now the game is, it's, it's become so transactional. Now it's not transformational. It's about, you know, with the addition of the transfer portal and NIL, it's like this instant gratification. And so that's a missing piece now, you know, you want to, you want to make money. You want to do all these things. You want to be a big guy, but there's still a maturation process that I'm afraid is getting lost in the middle of all this or somebody realizes how to handle some of that, the finances or whatever it might be. So yeah, I've kind of gotten, uh, I don't know what the word is, just kind of disenchanted with what's going on collegiately. I think it's a mistake what they've got going on. And I hope, uh, I hope, you know, I think, I think there's going to be some change. NCAs needs a little revamping, needs some fine tuning. Um, but right now I think it's, it's kind of set up for what I think could be a disaster. Wow. 
You know what, uh, Larry, you know, you've done a great job at your son place, San Marcos. Yeah. College. Yeah. Um, I've got one. I've got one son playing at uh, Robert Morris University uh -huh. out in Pittsburgh. My oldest just graduated from Dartmouth. He played there. Um, and then and then Luke is here. Yeah. And then a couple of daughters that are. They got twin fun. daughters, right? Twin daughter sophomores at Torrey Pines High School, so they're avid volleyball players. It's it's really what's keeping me uh, keeping me going. I'd probably be losing my mind a little bit um, without. My wife me. would never. I met your wife at a game. She she would never let you lose your mind because she <laughs> needs. <laughs> yeah, no, she's been solid, man. I don't know. Be super blessed to have her in uh, in my life and our kids. So life is good. You've been listening to Showtime with Coop. Larry Kostowiak is our guest. Larry, any last words you got something to say? Anything you got going on you want to talk about? No, not really, man. If you need if you need a little filler anytime coming up in the future, I'd love to get back on with you. There's a lot of, a lot of things we could talk about. So it's been fun. Any controversial things? Just to yeah, we, some, we, we can get topics. controversial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You could fire me now if you'd like to. I'll yeah. leave. You get, I, I, all I'm doing is sitting here hitting record, Larry. You'd actually contribute something, man. Let me Larry, tell thanks you. so and much, you man. A, wait, wait, and Larry, you have a great radio voice. You really do. I have a great radio I have a voice. voice for radio and a face for radio. There you go. I won't disagree. <laughs> Larry, have a Merry Christmas, man. All my best to you, dude. And uh, we love for you having on. We'll, we'll come back to you, okay? Thanks yeah. a lot, Larry. All right, brother. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> See you guys. Bye-bye.